Photo Shelter presents Vision Slightly Blurred. I'm Alan Murabayashi. And I'm Sarah Jacobs. Sarah Jacobs, we had an inauguration of 46 President Joe Biden. And of all of the incredible images come out of that weird inauguration day, the one that I think will be implanted in everyone's memory for a long time is actually Brendan Smielowski's image of Bernie Sanders sitting by himself in a chair. (laughs) Which I don't think you could have predicted that coming out of the inauguration. Uh, You know, there were a lot of photos of people wearing some pretty incredible clothes like Lady Gaga or some incredible uh, music performances. But this very bland photo uh, and a photo that Brendan himself said, this picture itself is not that nice. It's not a great composition. I'm not going to be putting it into the portfolio. (laughs) Somehow captured everyone's imagination. What's what's your take on why I did that? Mostly because... uh a lot of people love Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and I think his attitude in the photo, I mean, he, he looks mad. He looks pissed that he's there. I think my favorite caption um, where this photo was memed was, quote, this could have been an email. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good <laughs> that one. That feeling of, right, that feeling of why am I here? Um, he's holding a manila envelope, which indicates that he's got work to, to do. Uh, after the inauguration. (laughs) Um, It just is a classic Bernie attitude of being kind of like disgruntled. (laughs) Grumpy old man. You know, I was thinking um, back when I was eh, maybe in late high school or early college, there was a a book by an author named Robert Fulgham called Everything I Need to Know from Life I Learned in Kindergarten or something like that. And um, in thinking about Bernie Sanders, you know, I think that if if we ran the country the way that Bernie Sanders wants, we'd be in pretty good shape, right? Because he's all about equality and Medicare for all and all like all the all the things that you would think we should do for all the citizens Bernie Sanders is for. But when you're Bernie's age and you've been through that for he's 79 years old, you can see where you could become like a grumpy old man. Oh, and yeah. uh, you know, him <laughs> sitting in that very pedestrian uh, coat with the mittens, which became a huge viral hit. Uh, he's from Vermont, so I don't think he was actually that cold. I think this is probably just like another <laughs> day for him. But it, uh, you know, to your point, I think the photo really conveys who he is as a person. Just like uh, I'm here at this pageantry, but I don't want to be here. But I'm here because it's important that that we represent. And after the siege, we have to be here to be like normal. Um, there was a there was a great little interview in Rolling Stone magazine uh, with Brendan Smielowski, who took that photo for AFP. And in that interview, he says, uh, in response to taking a meme, he says, if I could know, I would never take a meme. Uh, I would be more than happy to never have a meme, which I thought was mm. kind of interesting. I, I guess as a journalist, you know, you don't want your photos to be turned into jokes, which mm-hmm. and, and we've seen that with like the, you know, text from Hillary uh, in the past where photojournalists are not so amused that their photos are sort of co-opted and then taken into the public consciousness and, and become part of pop culture. Yeah, he kind of elaborates on that saying like this is this actually gets into the type of photo that I'm not a big fan of, which is freezing a very specific moment in time that gives kind of a misconception um, and even though he does go on to say, like, yes, I did capture kind of this mood from Bernie that he was giving off, um, I think he wanted to be very careful, you know, as a journalist, um, to note that 
he, it's not as though he was making that face the entire, you know, inauguration. Right, right, right. right. Well, it's only been, you know, like five days since the inauguration. And I kind of feel like we're already at the tail end of the Bernie meme mania. In the meantime, there've been (laughs) a ton of filters popping up on Instagram and Snapchat. You know, the initial filters that I saw was placing that little Bernie, uh, uh, photo into various scenes and the more recent ones are where you can put your own face into the coat with the mittens, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, and then today over on Gizmodo, I saw that someone uh, released the blueprints, if you will, to create a, a 3D version of sad Ber- Bernie Sanders, as they're calling it. So you can print oh. your own if you have a 3D printer. Oh, my God. And speaking of the mittens that he's wearing, they actually were made by, by a Vermont elementary school teacher, Jen Ellis, um, who tweeted out that she was out of them. She couldn't <laughs> she didn't have any more to make, but she had a, she had three more, I believe. And she actually auctioned them off. And one pair went for twenty eight hundred dollars. Oh, my God. Uh, I know. And the money went to an LGBTQ youth service organization in Vermont. So that's pretty cool. I did see that she tweeted that there there are a lot of many other talented knitters on Etsy. So please support those those other knitters. The, Vermont just seems like the most friendly yeah. state. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations to Brendan, even if he didn't want it. I think it's a, it's an interesting cultural touchstone moment, if you will. Photographer Quill Lemons becomes the youngest photographer to shoot a Vanity Fair cover at 23. The cover was just released today. It's of pop star Billie Eilish. Are you a Billie Eilish fan? I am. And you know what? She's no, I mean, she's a spring chicken. She's what, 19, 20? I mean, she's a young... She's 19. She just turned 19. It's unbelievable. Yes, it really is. I'm very happy to see these sort of large magazines pair basically contemporaries, right? Like Quill has photographed for major clients such as Variety, Teen Vogue. He has shot for Vanity Fair in the past. Um, but this was his first Vanity Fair cover. So it's it's beautiful, very well lit. I feel like the, the recent Vanity Fair covers have just been killing it. You know, I'm generally opposed to bragging rights over like, I'm the youngest person. Uh, in part because I think that, you know, when we see child prodigies, what we're seeing is the potential for greatness. But Quill isn't like 16. We're not celebrating a life that's going to turn into something. He's actually a very accomplished photographer. There's mm-hmm. a, uh, an interview in Interview Magazine uh, that's a few years old. And, and the thing that sort of was revealed to me through that is like he's very aware of his contemporary photographers. He's also very aware of the generation of photographers that precedes him. Um, And he seems really interested in knowing uh, the black photographers and black visual artists who are working and and highlighting them. He had a really interesting series from 2017 called Glitter Boy, which was sort of in reaction to Frank Ocean, um, where he put uh, men into glitter makeup and photographed them. And it was sort of a gender bending exercise, if you will. And he says in the interview, he says, none of my work has been deliberately political, but everything about my entire existence is kind of political, which is such a weird place to make art from. Sometimes I just want to make art for the simple sake of making art and not have it be, oh, you're defying these gender norms, or he's creating this new thing of black masculinity. And the thing that's sort of notable for me about that quote is, you know, if you are in a minority, then everything you do seems to have like a political bent to it. But if you're, you know, non, non-gender 
conforming and you take photos of people in the way that you see them, then people will tend to see it as a political thing and he doesn't think it's political. So I think there's, you know, he's sort of preternaturally mature in the way that he thinks about his craft. You mentioned that you're not always super impressed just because of an age, right? Like being the youngest doesn't necessarily make it the best. Yeah. Um, but I think what's so wonderful and important about like a 23 year old photographer photographing, you know, a 19 year old star and that pairing, um, it's, it's just, sadly, it's such a new thing to do within editorial. I, I was thinking about the Britney Spears Rolling Stones cover that was in 1999 where she's like, it's, it was shot by David LaChapelle, um, where she's just, you know, hypersexualized, uh, it's a very sh- just bizarre, beautiful shoot. But David was 35 photographing an, an, a 19-year-old girl, yeah. you know? And so I just think there's something really nice to be pairing up people that are from the same generation together. Oh, I totally agree with that. And, and you know, the other thing is, you know, Billie Eilish was a musical prodigy in a lot of the way, in a lot of ways, many of her hits were composed when she was like 13, 14 years old and doing like uh, mixtapes. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think it's wonderful that these are two young people that, that are really near the top of their craft at this point, uh, uh, being very young. And to your point, you know, with David LaChapelle, it's sort of like of the moment that Britney was marketed as this sort of jailbait type uh, a character, mm-hmm. right? She was like a Disney mm-hmm. girl. And like so many of those Disney kids, the, the, the flip becomes like, oh, I'm 17 or 18. And now we're going to try to sexualize you as much to sell as many albums as possible as, yeah. as the kids who watched you have grown up in the same way. And to your point, like Billy has always sort of resisted wearing like tight clothing or trying to be like sexy. She's just like a cool yeah, musician true. with a great voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that Quill and the stylist and whoever the the uh, creative director was for the shoot, like they just tried to represent her as is, and I think they were very successful in in that regards. And Quill posted on uh, Twitter like a great sort of BTS photo of of himself and Billy together, and you just get that the vibe to what you're saying. Like they, it seems like they just really get along, and they probably had a lot to talk about. Yeah, the creative director at at uh, Vanity Fair right now is Kira Pollock who used to be at Time for a very, very long period of time. And then prior to that, she was at New York Times Magazine um, and The New Yorker as, as a photo editor. So very talented woman. The one other quote that I loved from the Interview Magazine uh, interview was, he says, when I was 18, I thought I was going to go to school and become a photo editor. I think it's still something I want to do because it's such an important job and people don't pay enough respect to that. They are the ones dictating who gets to be in which, uh, what publications, and they're kind of like gatekeepers, if that word still even holds true for today. I don't think a lot of editors are tapped into what's happened culturally, and I don't think enough people tune into what's going on in the black community. So again, just like this remarkable <laughs> insight, because, you know, most, I mean, you're a photo editor, but I, I, I think you probably thought, I'm not going to become a photo editor first. I'm going to become a photographer first. Mm-hmm. And here's a kid when he was 18 thinking like, I'm going to become a photo editor because then I can kind of <laughs> control the strings of like what gets published and who gets assigned. Totally. It's kind of an incredible insight for, for a young person. So congratulations to Quill on that cover. Yes, congrats, Quill. 
We've kept our eye on the New York Times and how they're shifting uh, photography coverage since the shuttering of the Lens blog. And their series, The World Through a Lens, has been featuring various photographers all over the world. Um, the most recent edition of this is by a photographer, Marzina Skubats, who spent time at a weather station in Iceland and captured some gorgeous photos while out there. It's kind of an incredible visual story. She basically answered an ad. There's an Icelandic woman named Marsabil Erland's daughter who's been living by herself at this remote weather station outpost. And the reason why she has to live there is because apparently the weather is so bad and can get so cold that they can't automate the readings. So she lives out on this farm and, uh, you know, is raising all these animals. And then the article uh, that, that Marzina wrote says, uh, regardless of, of the weather, Marcibil goes out for at least an hour a day to walk her dogs. Oh, my goodness. It, it's, it's just The a, amount of snow oh. is just unbelievable. Skubats is uh, Berlin-based and a member of Women Photograph, but she spent two and a half years uh, off and on on that farm. And I was checking out her Instagram, and I love the way that she kind of photoshops the image. So she, she creates a bit of a, a, almost like a mat around the images. And then she puts the publication that she was working for and the subject's name. And so it's almost like a magazine presentation of her work in her Instagram feed, which I think is just, it's just smart. It's smart to, to sort of brand yourself that way and, and make sure that the attribution is there and people can see automatically who your clients are. Her use of light is really, really gorgeous. It's very warm. It feels so soft. It's, it's like, it looks like a cozy sweater that you just want to get in. There's one image uh, near the end of the essay with uh, Aurora Borealis. And, you know, for a hot second, I thought, oh, I would love to go to someplace this cold and north. And then I was like, meh, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> and then you looked out the window at the beach in Hawaii and thought, right. never mind. <laughs> well, today it's raining, so maybe I would take a flyer and, and go to Iceland on this kind of day. The, the whole essay did remind me, of course, we talked about Evgenia Arbugeva's Weatherman uh, project mm -hmm. uh, that was in National Geographic. Uh, obviously, like these two lone individuals working in remote places, capturing the weather, which seems like this incredibly noble pursuit. You know, they say in this in this particular uh New York Times piece, that the, the aggregated weather reports literally help save lives because fishermen are so dependent on it or other people that are living in these inclement weather locations are so dependent on the weather. So just a, an oh, amazing, wow. amazing story. And it's cool that the World Through the Lens series allows the photographer to also be the journalist. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, that is a really awesome thing. I guess they're really putting those editors to work, making, making them edit photographers' words. Finally today, the New York Metropolitan Transit Authority, better known as the MTA, is honoring employees who lost their lives due to COVID with a portrait exhibition that appears both online and in 109 stations from now until February 7th. Uh, in a piece on The Curbed, Sandra Bloodworth, the director of MTA Arts and Design Department and a visual artist herself, says she conceived of the idea and worked with an in-house team to create the artwork and video the team invited families from all MTA departments to submit portraits of employees who died and set them against backdrops of MTA colors. They also referenced a poem called Travels Far by a, a United States Poet Laureate named Tracy K. Smith. 
Uh, I found the whole presentation. I, I watched the YouTube video. I, I found it incredibly mm-hmm. moving. I know. As someone who takes the MTA or used to, you know, daily, um, I obviously have had a lot of <laughs> annoyed feelings towards the MTA um, for being late or, you know, making me late. This was incredibly heartwarming to be able to sit and look at the faces of the people who literally, you know, got me to work every single day yeah. safely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it, it's, it's incredibly moving. I was sort of looking at the different images that they were using, the quote portraits of people, you know, they converted whatever images were given to them into black and white and put them against these colored backgrounds, which were the MTA colors. And looking at the these portraits, you kind of see like a very, very wide range of quality. You know, some of them are like snapshots and some mm-hmm. of them are formal portraits. And in some ways it made me sad that everyone didn't have like a high quality portrait of themselves. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. Well, some of them were very old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some mm-hmm. people that were literally in their 70s uh, yeah. or close to their 70s who passed away from COVID. The, you know, the, the flip side of that response is that it's really nice that the families found images they thought best represented their lost ones, and their loved ones, um, you know, regardless of whether it was a formal portrait or whether it was a snapshot um, that they just photoshopped and, and pulled those people out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing that's sort of in, inescapable, it's, you know, the vast majority are people of color. Mm, yes, I noticed this. Uh, so it kind of makes you, it kind of makes you stop and think about when you look at the demographics of the people that are most likely to have been killed by COVID. You know, these frontline workers mm-hmm. working these jobs as you know train operators or dispatch people, predominantly people of color. Vaccine couldn't get to them soon enough, um, and you know it was during a time, obviously, almost a year ago, where we were trying to figure out what the heck this disease was doing to everyone. I know. I did wonder. I want you know how many of these workers contracted the virus while on the job, um, which is just. I mean, it's sad either way. But yeah. You can find the link to this incredibly moving presentation uh, and all the stories that we talked about today on our blog at blog.photoshelter.com. Uh, while you're at it, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, and if you want, you can leave us a comment by tweeting at us at photoshelter. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. PhotoShelter is the online leader for photography websites and workflow tools. Archive, distribute, and sell your photos in a mobile-friendly, responsive website. Try one free for 14 days at photoshelter.com slash podcast. Then download one of our free educational guides at photoshelter.com slash resources.